and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. Now, it's obviously a big, big day in the rugby world with Warren Gatland having named his 37-man squad for the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa this summer. As is often the case, Gatland has caught us all a little bit off guard with his selections, a few big name omissions and some surprise inclusions in there. Now, here to react to the announcement, we've assembled a selection almost as good as Gatland's squad itself. From the Mirror, we've got Alex Spink and Megan Wellens. From the Irish Mirror, we have Michael Scully. And from the Daily Record, we have got Gordon Parks. Almost as balanced a representation as the squad itself. Um, let's let's get into it. How are we all doing? How are we all feeling after this uh, squad announcement? Like I said, it, it did catch us all a little bit off guard. Alex, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, it certainly caught us a bit off guard. I think it, had you said at the start of play that, that England would... Um, offer the most um, players to the Lions to given that they finish fifth in the championship their worst performance since 1976 that Saracens would provide more players than any other club despite playing second division club rugby um, you might be slightly surprised um, and then obviously you can drill into some of the selections um, not just looking at England but looking at the likes of Johnny Sexton, Josh Navidi Kyle Sinclair, James Ryan being left out of the squad. These are big names, big players um, that Warren Gatlin has decided uh, he can do without in South Africa. So, yeah, big day, lots of surprises. And Gordon, I suppose it's um, on the flip side of that, it's it's a good day for Scotland. We had a feeling that Scottish representation would be a lot better than it has done in previous tours under Gatlin with the um, the inclusion of coaches such as Gregor Townsend and Steve Tandy. And um, it's proved that way, hasn't it? Justice has been served, I think. <laughs> you know, I think the benefit of having uh, Gregor Townsend as part of the backroom team, I think he's, he's shamed them into it because there had to be a kind of acknowledgement of how good Scotland have been and, and the improvements and strides that have taken. And that's recognised. And I think, you know, I think it's a decent number. I think if maybe one or two spots are a bit of Ali Price for me getting them as a surprise. I think he can count himself lucky. I think there's others like Johnny Gray and Jamie Ritchie that can count themselves unlucky. So it balances itself out. But when you deliver the performances that Scotland have done to go to France, to go to England and win, something that's for a Scotland team is so rare, it has to be recognised with the lines. And I think uh, the proportion of players that they've got, very happy. And then Michael with, with Ireland, I guess it was the number of players we expected. That that was fine. It was probably the players we weren't expecting though. We probably expected CJ Stander, we got Jack Conan, we expected Gary Ringrose, we get Bundyaki. That's what caught us off guard a little bit. Yeah, totally. Like I think I think either way the headline was going to be whether Johnny Sexton was in or out. And the fact that he was seen as a possible rather than a definite back here, you know, suggests it wasn't a huge surprise that he didn't make it. Um, I think, you know, he definitely was the, the best number 10 at the, in the Six Nations, but um, the, the couple of months since then, or the month, the six weeks since then, really hasn't been playing. He's been stood down because of concussion issues. That that really left him on the edge in terms of in terms of selection. But yeah, like Bundiaki getting picked was a real surprise. That He wasn't mapped at all, you know. Um, Jack Conan has been playing very well but again a, a surprise um, yeah I think we would have looked at maybe five bankers beforehand and, and maybe up to nine or ten eight seems a fair a fair reflection to be honest James Ryan was another who, who had fallen off a cliff a bit with form after after having a shoulder operation last summer so 
he he was definitely not not a banker. Um, so yeah, it's it's different. It's it's not quite what we expected, and you do have to feel sympathy for Johnny. Uh, he'd been kind of driving on the last couple of years in the hope of getting that third Lions test, and he's been such a star player for them in the last two tours. But uh, I suppose they just caught up a little bit there. Indeed, um, Megan, it feels like we're talking quite a lot about the players who have missed out. Um, who are the sort of names in particular that, that have caught your eye in terms of who aren't travelling to South Africa, at least not yet? Um, I think it kind of falls down to, I think, going back to the kind of England perspective in terms of those who you have picked um, instead of kind of bankers. I mean, Courtney Laws has made it to South Africa um, and Simmons also along those lines. And kind of, I know obviously Simmons has had an incredible premiership campaign. Um, but in terms of Danny Kerr, do you then look at him for selection if you're going off people who haven't recently been involved in the England kind of camp um, and in terms of I think Sinclair a big one to miss out again and Sexton I thought I did think he was going to be in there um, just in terms of how bad a Six Nations campaign England had um, and I think England have got very very lucky in getting quite a few injuries in that um, Lions squad where other nations haven't to be honest Yeah Kyle Sinclair in particular, he jumps out as the one, which is really surprising. I think most people would have had him in as second choice tight end. Alex, have we had any reason from any of the coaches as to as to why his stock has seemingly fallen? No, not really. Um, the, the kind of theme of the of the explanations today have been around the the size of physical challenge, which is awaiting. Um, the Lions in South Africa. It will come as no surprise to any of us. We've we've all seen the Springboks play. They're unlike any other nation on earth when they play rugby. I mean, they are absolutely enormous, um, with the exception of Fafta Klerk. And they, when you get hit by them, you do stay hit. And I, I think Gatlin has learned the lessons of um, of the previous tour down there in 2009 when physically. Um, the Lions were were knocked into t- to tomorrow in the first two tests, and the series was gone before they had the chance to to fire a shot. And I think that has been quite um, um, instrumental in in a lot of the calls that he has made, and the fact he's not been prepared to to gamble selection places on players who aren't 100 percent at the moment. You, you know, you can make a a pretty strong case for for someone like Manu Tulagi with three or four club games under his belt being fit for purpose come South Africa. But I think Gatlin's taken the view, not least because the time zone will allow him to fly anyone down pretty much overnight if he needs replacements, uh, which is different from Australia and New Zealand. So I think Gatlin's taken the view that he, he wants the, those who are big, um, fit and very physical to be on that plane at, at the start. And they want to be hitting the ground running um, and hitting the spring and hitting the spring box running at, in much the same way because I think frankly a series like this you've got to make a statement early on um, you've got to show even if there are no fans in the crowd you've got to show you mean business um, England were blown away in the World Cup final by South Africa um, and that is very much in people's minds I think the memory of that day the memory that South Africa came with a massive uh, scrummaging game. Um, but also had the, the variety around around the edges, which which England just couldn't live with. And you know, England were a pretty good team at the time, 
Um, they're not half that team now, I don't think, but they were a good team at the time. And I think all, all the home unions and indeed the home union coaches um, will have learnt from that. And, and it's been quite instructive in the way that a number of the teams have been playing since then. I like the way Scotland have played. I like it a great deal. I, I thought they came to Twickenham with, with with superb focus. They knew what they had to do to, to do a number on England. Um, and I think Townsend takes uh, deserves great respect for that and uh, and uh, Alex, Alex how much how much value is the fact that Greg has clearly nobbled Gatland you know you look at guys like Sutherland that get, I mean he's got a shoulder problem you talk about not taking guys that aren't 100% there's a real value in having that kind of influence and I think England have suffered maybe with not having that kind of voice in his ear Oh, possibly, possibly uh, I think you might be right there you know I think with Scotland the selection is long overdue um, they've got a decent representation. Gregor turned down a, a tour previously, and that that would have helped. That would have hindered their representation on that tour. Um, but I just think Scotland are a, a more solid team now. You know, it's no longer sufficient for Scotland to beat England and call it a successful season. You know, they've slightly kind of, if I can put it, grown up when it comes to professional rugby. Now it's not just about beating the old enemy, um, and they showed that in Paris, didn't they? By 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 finishing that campaign so strongly. And so I think most, you know, Sutherland, I, I, I'm not really sure about his injury, but if you say he's injured, then maybe he, he's got a bit lucky. But but in, in the main, I think those who, who are on that plane are there because Gatlin feels they can do a very physical job for him. The big difference is, though, that this year we've got guys like Finn, Hoggy, Hamish Watson, who, somebody mentioned the word bankers, 100% bankers. So whoever's going to supplement that, we had options, we have a fantastic season. So, it was always going to be a rich pittance for us. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. There, there was no, you know, there was no point in Gregor Townsend being there if if he wasn't going to influence the selection because certainly from his own squad's point of view, you know, where would he have as much credibility there? Do you think next year, if if or or, or in the autumn, if if he wasn't pushing the case for his own guys, you know, uh, on the flip side, Ireland had nobody. There in the coaching situation, the, the coaching ticket, you know, by their own by their own doing, and uh, I think it counted. Yeah, of course, we you know we've seen this in the past. I think Graham Henry, two thousand and one. I don't think he came back to Wales the most popular. Did he ask that tour of Australia? Um, it does play a, a massive part, doesn't it? Um, interesting. You talked about the physicality of taking on South Africa. You see that you, te- you tend to see that in Gatlin selections in the backline. People like Duan Van der Merwe, like. Is there a more Warren Gatland winger in this squad than him? Again, it's, it's a surprise to us that he's been included. We thought he would miss out. He thought he'd be one of the one of the ones. Um, but again, look at um, Gregor's role in that because his his impact's been quite meteoric. He's quite he's come in and he's really been uh, a key man quickly. And I think that again. Gregor takes a lot of credit for bending Warren's ear. I agree with you. There's a physicality there and a finishing power that Scotland haven't had in a long time, and he's brought a lot of that to the Scotland team. But again, it was a surprise. I think he's also benefited from George North's injury. I think he's seen as a, as a big, powerful lump in, in the back line, which which they had lost with North. Um, and certainly a strike rate in the Six Nations kind of warranted selection, I think. 
Yeah, and I think if you go back to looking at kind of the lack of England influence um, kind of in those decision calls, I think Gatland called Sinclair an emotional time bomb. And if you've got no one there to say to them, well, no, we can. He's, there's this side to him, there's that side to him, and he's never going to change that opinion on someone if you've got no one in his ear, um, like you have kind of from the Scottish perspective. So I think that will have definitely gone against Sinclair's favour in the kind of decision-making process. I suppose there is the idea that a lot of... Gatland's England selections, they go against Eddie Jones's ideals. Elliot Daly's in the squad as an outside centre, despite not being in the best of form. Billy Vunapola, who also hasn't been in the best of form, but he's also playing at Saracens like Daly, doesn't get picked. Sam Simmons does, who's been overlooked by Eddie Jones for two years. There is that idea that, you know, Gatland clearly isn't taking any influence from what he's sort of seeing Eddie Jones lay down. Yeah, but see when you're judging in judging performance, you're talking about international test games, you're talking about judging delivering in the highest stage, the biggest stage. Club form seems to have kind of not come into his thinking as much. And it's clearly consequential of England's failings with the fact that so many have missed out and he's taken advantage of the chance to do that. Do you not think there's a lot of politics involved in that? It's interesting you say that because Gatlin did say that James Ryan um he was at a disadvantage because of the La Rochelle game last week, that, that he was dominated by Will Skelton. And because because of how Leinster had gone against Saracens in the previous two years. So, you know, even though Leinster got to a, a Champions Cup semi-final, ultimately, I think it counted against some of their players uh, who, who were in with a show. I think, I think the Lions have got slightly lucky with with the timings. Obviously, they play at the end of the season. Um, England were were badly hindered by Saracens relegation. Um, it meant that their players were all undercooked in the Six Nations. Um, Elliot Daly, who is a very fine footballer, uh, as he proved on the last lines, to uh, has been played out of position um, for the best part of three years by England, um, with Eddie Jones refusing to budge on that. And I think most people with two eyes in the front of their head could see that Elliot Daly as a centre is a very different proposition from a, when he plays at full-back. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not surprised he was picked, uh, and I'm also not surprised that Simmons is picked because if you if you watch Exeter play, and again going back to Gordon's point about about Scottish voices and ears, Stuart Hogg and, and Johnny Gray uh, and Sam Skinner would all have been making the point that when this when this kid gets the ball in midfield or or at the back of a scrum, he is lightning. Um, and he's got real footwork. And Gatlin was saying today, it's <laughs> the South Africans, what they want is for you to run at them straight. He said, so he's trying to pick players like Falatau um, and Simmons who have got footwork. So not only do they hit the game line at pace, but they can always also move it around and, and move the point of attack. And, and so, you know, there are various factors, I think, which Gatlin has taken into account, which, which Jones either... Um, was unable to do due due to um, timing or just because he refused to see what what, what was kind of right in front of him, frankly. Because the, the back row is a really sort of interesting facet of the game. You know, you look, there's no Sam Underhill, there's no Josh Navidi, two players who we would have expected to really sort of vie for, for a blindside flanker spot. Instead, what we've got is a lot of second rows who can fill in and, and, and can cover that, that blindside flank and a lot of number eights who can also, you know, Falatau's been playing eight for, for Bath. 
how do we see this back row sort of dynamic working in South Africa now that we know what the squad makeup is? Tom Curry going to start a blind, blind side, is he? Or is it Ty Byrne going to battle him for that? That's They'd be the two I'd, I'd be looking at, I think. Or the blind side, would you not? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be uh, less biased. <laughs> as as Warren Riley observed earlier, we were all very biased for our own countries. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Burns been exceptional the past six months. Um, yeah, definitely go for him. They've got the they've got in laws and Atoji. They've got and Burn indeed. They've got players that they can kind of they can put in the second row or or, or in the back row, depending on what line out options they need in in the test matches. So you know that he's picked a big he's picked a big pack. Um, um, and and I think it's given him a lot of scope for for moving things around because there's a fair amount of versatility in there. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I I would think that they're going to uh, they're going to be pretty good at a set piece. It's going to be a pretty good uh, challenge uh, for South Africa. It's going to be intriguing to see what the box are like, having not played since the World Cup final, which is seems a lifetime ago now. Absolutely, and of course, you know when Wales took them fairly close in the semi final, and they they did that largely by kicking the ball down bigger, basically kick the leather off at every time in Yokohama and they tried to negate the line out, which was massive. And they and they took them took them on largely physically. And that's why I'm surprised there's no place for Josh Navidi, because to me, I don't know if Gatlin's admitted it or not, but he was the one player that Wales missed in that semi-final. Um just the work he does in terms of break down both sides of the ball. Like he 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 secures you about 30 rucks a game. Tackle choice means that you don't need to rely on your jacklers as much. The reason Falatau's playing so well at the minute is because Navidi's effectively allowed Pivac's game plan to work because last year it wasn't working because the back row balance wasn't there. So I'm I'm really, really surprised that there, there isn't a spot for Josh Navidi. I feel like he's he's someone who what wasn't in everyone's squad and he probably wasn't everyone's lips, but I, I really thought that Gatlin would would sort of come through to him at this moment. Did he did he explain why Ben? Did he give explanations? Um, I'd be lying if I said I looked at the quotes. I've been away from the press uh, <laughs> today, but I believe he he put it down to fitness. Obviously, I think Josh had a concussion last autumn, which sort of kept him out coming into the Six Nations. Um, yeah, I think for him and Jonathan Davis, he sort of pointed to fitness and and form. Although moving on to that point I don't think Jonathan I, I'm not surprised that Jonathan Davis isn't in the Lions squad and that's saying something because I don't think that centre is particularly the strongest part of this squad I don't know what everyone's thoughts are but I think when it came to, to naming sort of all our predicted squads centre was the one where you were almost scratching around a bit to sort of to fill the gaps Michael I know <laughs> we ended up with the, the different Irish players to, to what we probably expected yeah yeah sorry sorry Megan Ed. Yeah, Ringrose, um, Gary Ringrose was another possibility there. And, and again, he was Leinster and Ireland's player of the year last year. And like so many others, injury and, and injury has, has kind of led to just loss of rhythm, loss of form. Um, and, and he's gone there. I mean, like Warren said, he's gone with, with, with Aki because of how, how well he combined with, with Henshaw for the, the England game, the Six Nations. So, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. At least he has that combination, I guess, uh, to, to to fall back on. Uh, it's just it is a surprise to, to see Aki there. You know, he's he hasn't had the best best time of it since the World Cup. 
um, sent off at the World Cup and it's been kind of in and out since. But um, yeah, I mean, Henshaw was nailed on. Like he, he's definitely in the run to be starting number 12. Um, I, I was a bit surprised maybe that Henry Slade didn't get the call as well. I thought he's, he's kind of classy, been classy during the Six Nations and that hasn't gone that, that well for England. But um, yeah, as you say, it's especially with George North being injured, that kind of that's taken away from, from that position. But you wonder for a position that is kind of so hard to fill, whether, you know, we've been talking about kind of club form and how that's played a massive part for Gatlin, but maybe in this position he has taken a partnership that he knows works and has worked on the big stage over kind of maybe a couple of blunders over the past couple of weeks in terms of club form. He's kind of took that loss of form over the past couple of weeks and said, well, it's hard to fill anyway. I know these two work well together. That's what I'm going to go with. I think you're right. I think that's, that is what he's done to, to a large degree because, uh, you know, he has left a few of the old timers out, but he's also gone back to people who have delivered for him before, who know that he can count on, um, you know, the likes of Elliot Daly. And uh, and I think that's right. Another interesting point, which um, Mark McCall made down at Saracens a week or so ago, he was asked about, um, about whether his players would be undercooked for the Lions to, if they were to be selected, given that, you know, as we all know, playing second division rugby, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and and his viewpoint was: don't worry about the Saracens boys; they've got some an awful lot of tough games still to come to finish the championship, and then a you know a two a two leg playoff final. It's a, it's the Welsh, Scottish, and Irish boys you want to worry about; those who are playing in the Pro Fourteen, whatever that cup's called. Um, it's it, a lot of them are going to be the ones who are going to be needing possibly needing the extra run. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know how much Gatlin's taken that into account, if at all, but but that will be something to watch out for in the in the weeks leading into this tour, I think. That's a fair point. I mean, having covered one of the games the other week, the Rainbow Cup, Scarlet against Dragons, um, it did feel like they were going to get the beach balls out at one point. It was very pre-season. Um, the, the name in there that interests me is, is Chris Harris Gordon, because he, to me, feels like he could be a genuine starter at 13. I don't think the Lions are going to play too much rugby. Out in South Africa, I think they want to be defensively solid. They want to chase their kicks. And he just looks like the most defensively solid 13 option there is. A bit a bit like how Jonathan Davis used to be really good at reading 13 before sort of the pace went. I think Chris Harris is, is similar to that. And I think Gatlin's really going to appreciate that. Ben, I just look across and I see gaps in the market. Gaps in the market and Chris has filled one of those because you talk about this has been a strange season. The atmosphere's not been there. It's been stop-start. The consistency, players having to motivate themselves. Everything about it's been kind of art- artificial. And people have had to make their own energy. And he's grabbed that and he's really excelled. But I think you talk about you talk about Dan Bigger kicking the, the ball length of the pitch. I think it's been that kind of Six Nations. You see how much kicking. He's getting kicked at every opportunity. And that suits Chris. He's got that energy and the drive and the power and the pace. And gets Gatland all over, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think we probably dissected every sort of possible permutation and and omission and inclusion from the squad. I guess now that we've all had fun for the last however many months predicting the squad, the next thing that starts to get predicted until the public's sick of it is the Test 15. Without giving it too much thought or, or time, what do we see the Test 15 being? Well, Try to run through it fairly quickly. Let's start then. Ben, ben, the, 
Well, I should be wearing blue jerseys, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when was the last time that we had a test, Scott? Are we talking Tom Smith? So it's a while, isn't it? I don't know. Do you know Alex off the top of your head? Tom Smith's a pretty good shout, actually. I think you wouldn't be too far off with that. It was either, either ninety-seven. I think it was ninety-seven or maybe two thousand and one. Yeah. But I think he was the last. You'd, you'd be amazed if we didn't get a, a test, Scott, this time round. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. I, I, I mean, I don't think Russell's going to start. I, I think um, I think Dan Bigger will be the the Wales uh, will be the Lions starting ten. Uh, as things stand at the moment, I mean, clearly, we, Lions tours evolve and players go in and out of form, and uh, the team you might pick now might be very different. But as things stand at the moment, Bigger seems to be the real quality player around at ten. Um, I think what's going to be interesting with, around the playmaking is, is what they do with Farrell because you know Farrell is he is the archetypal Test match animal, if you like, but he's been way off for a long time now. So what do they do with him? Do they do they stick him in midfield? They give him the twelve shirt. You wouldn't pick him ahead of Henshaw. Do you pick him at ten ahead of Big Ev? I'd say probably not. So I mean uh, that for me is is possibly the most intriguing selection of all um, approaching a Test series. Megan's probably spot on though. She says that there's loyalty, there's trust, and there's relationships there. So yeah. he, he's benefiting clearly from that. Yeah, I think that's what will come into play with Farrell. And if he gets selected, will be. Does Gatland see kind of when they do play these kind of preseason matches? Does he see this partnership working in the way he wants to, or if there are still kinks to be worked out, does he go Farrell? I know you can do it on this stage. It's yours, you're you're my twelve, and see if he can pull that form back together like he has done for him in the past. So it's one of those kind of big calls that will be really interesting to see play out, kind of the loyalty versus the informed players almost. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so we think Dan Biggers looking likely to get the 10 jersey. Let, let's go to the back then, fullback. Hogg or, or Liam Williams. Who do we see getting that one? I think I know Gordon's answer already. I can't even believe we're even having a discussion about that. <laughs> of course, of course. I'm not totally convinced that Hogg and Liam Williams won't both start. I think Liam Williams is a a potential option for the wing. I think if you look at the wingers, um, you know, Anthony Watson, good in the air, Van der Merwe, physical, Josh Adams, great finisher. Reece Samet, we know what he can do, but I think Gatlin's going to want to be all about the aerial game, you know, kick and contest. The best way to break South Africa down is, is to kick beyond them and, and try to get territory that way. That's what New Zealand did in the World Cup. That's what Wales did to an extent. England tried to sort of go through them and, it came unstuck. So, what what would what would our back three selections be? Pretty quickly, I would totally agree. I think Hogg and Williams both play. I think Williams is a really quality player, great experience, and Hogg is undroppable in that position. He's just got that X factor, doesn't he? Um, definitely those two. Yeah, Williams is the best, the best under the high ball in the world, um, and I'd be surprised if he isn't in the Test fifteen. Um, as you say, it might be on the wing, might be, um, might be at full back. I mean, Hogg is one of one of the great counter attackers, um, and and he he brings a consistently high level of performance every week, um, which is great. I think when you go on a tour like this, you need someone you can rely on to be an eight out of ten player, 
And Hulk definitely yeah, that. Ireland's most yeah. consistent player. Fullbacks are really strong positions. You think that Hugo Keenan didn't even make the squad, and he's had a sensational season for Ireland, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, so it's it's a really strong position, fifteen. No, I was just going to say in terms of, I think Hogg's kind of nailed on in that position. But in terms of your wingers, it's about, I mean, you're up against two of the quickest, if not the quickest wingers um, in the world at the moment. So it it completely comes down to how he thinks he's going to play against those players. Is he going to go with his big physical wingers or is he going to go with ones that can run up against him? Is he going to go with ones that have that same kind of step about them, that quickness about them? And it's going to completely come down to how he sees Hogg working with kind of those wingers on in those games. I suspect he'll do possibly what Eddie Jones tends to do and that's have one lightning fast winger and then one big workaholic mm. and come in field and and be a part of the midfield play, I think he may well go down those, that line, um, which will make it fascinating between, say, Watson and Reece Zanet, yeah. uh, the genuine speedsters, when it, you know, as to who he goes to. One position we haven't touched on too much, and it was another of those positions where it was really open in terms of trying to pin it down with, with scrum half, because, again, it didn't feel like there was a, a standout sort of performer. Obviously, Ben Young's ruled himself out. Um, Danny Kerr's been sort of mentioned a lot. Connor Murray's probably not been in his best for a while, not the, not the heights of four years ago. And then obviously Ali Price and then, you know, Wales, just we don't know who the best scrum half is, to be honest. There's about four of them and it just sort of rotates between them. But what what do we make of where Gatlin's gone with his scrum half and who do we see sort of wrestling the, the sort of the nine jersey and making that their own in South Africa? I think the feeling here is that Conor Murray is going to be the starting test number nine. Um, and, and you're right. He, he definitely isn't the player that he was four years ago. Uh, he, he, he is, he has shown good signs of, of, of a recovery, I'd say in the last three, four months. Um, but just, he's lost that kind of sniping element to his game. It's all very, it's all quite predictable. He, he, he was aware himself. He was over box kicking, which was, um, product of the kind of the end of the Schmidt era really but um he, so he is trying to he is trying to play a more expansive game but I just yeah I think the options there aren't great in total I think you're right um Ben Young's going yeah. just it just made it very predictable who was going to go and I just think he he's, he'll, he'll turn to experience there especially especially with Sexton not being there and um, it makes sense to go to guy that, that he's tried and trusted yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. I think it's the weak, it's the weakest position in in the Lions team. I think, um, as Mike says, he's you know Murray played really well against England with Sexton. I mean, they were both on fire that day, but you know he'd been pretty underwhelming of that apart. Um, and you know Ali Price, you'd kind of put him in the same sort of category as Danny Kerr. You know, he's you know when he's on the front foot, things are going well. He's he catches the eye, but he's 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 not always he's not always the strongest. I mean, after the Six Nations, I thought Gareth Davis was was probably the the hottest ticket around. Um, but you know, they're all in my estimation, they're all kind of seven out of ten players. Um, albeit, I think Murray has got the the potential to to hit the heights. Yeah, Alex, certainly the kind of school of thought here is that. It's names in the hat. It was names in the hat. It was um, Ali Price is jubilant. 
he's spoken today and he's, he must know himself that the momentum that Scotland had carried him into it made him visual and made him kind of central. But Connor's in a cut above and the rest below, it's much of a muchness. Yeah, I think, as you say, because it is kind of a group of players that really aren't performing either at their optimal or kind of at the same level as the rest of the Lions squad, it'd be really silly to make it a position that you're rotating. I think you go with your most consistent kind of most um, capped player and you go with Con Murray and you can go down that line. Completely agree. It's possibly a bit of work for Ali Price to do in terms of making an impression on the Gatlin, because obviously... I don't think Gareth Davis has been at his best for a while, but Gatlin knows what he can do and and Gatlin has a certain way of using him, which we saw in the World Cup. And then Conor Murray is sort of in the mould of a Mike Phillips. So again, Gatlin particularly likes him. So I think Ali Price maybe could have some work to do in terms of forcing his way towards that test team. And you've got to remember, he's played second fiddle with Greg Laidlaw for so long that he's certainly come of age and deserves it deserves it but deserved that there was other candidates that were just as just as strong but as Megan says again it's a uh, name's in the heart he's um, he'll know himself that he's very much peripheral just now okay, I think we've um, probably put this squad to to rights we'll just finish quickly with the, the horrible part of these podcasts and that's how we see the tour going um, so if we can all come up with a prediction of sorts um, we'll run through it Gordon we'll, we'll start with you I'm sorry <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> I think there's a freshness to it and I think um, and a strange kind of anomaly to England being so poor is the fact it's opened gaps up and it's given an opportunity that players to get a taste in uh, uh, tests that will never that will live with them forever and I think that will give a kind of impetus and a kind of energy to it maybe will allow us to achieve what we probably shouldn't and I think we will wash our faces and no more and that will be a success Michael I'm I'm wary it's short of time so I'll I'll let you jump in quickly okay thank you Um, I I just hope that the loss of the best about half of the Six Nations uh, for understandable reasons doesn't come back to haunt them but I do I would be optimistic about the chances I was talking to somebody who watches the South African scene quite closely there the other day and they were, they were watching the last round of, of club games and said the quality was very poor. So it's going to, it could take the South Africans quite a while to get, get rid of that rustiness, you know. Um, so that's definitely in the Lions' favour. I'd be optimistic that they could win that series, yeah. Alex? Uh, well, I think it will go, I think it will go all the way. I think it would be a 2-1 um, series. Um I think the Springbok power is is enormous, um, and it shouldn't be underestimate, underestimated. Uh, and I'm also slightly concerned that there are so many new lions in this squad um, who may step up, and hopefully they will step up. But it is a big step up. It's not like playing for y- your country. It's a major step up when you get into these test matches. And I think. Their success, the success of the tour is going to um, stand or fall on on their ability to to, to bridge that gap. Um, you know, let's be positive. Let's say, you know, Gatman, he's been around the block. He's he's won in or he's avoided defeat in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so he should be able to do it in South Africa. So let's let's say two won the Lions, but the fingers are crossed when they're saying it. Fantastic. And uh, finally, Megan, I just see you go. 
Yeah, um, I think I agree with everyone that it will come down to the lot, to, like, to the wire. Um, you've got 18 new Lions against what may be a rusty Springboks, but nonetheless, it's South Africa and you can't underestimate that. Um, so I think it will come down to that final test and be decided um, in that game. Well, that's all we've got time for on this podcast, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more Lions news to come in the coming days, weeks and months. You'll be able to catch it all from all of our writers here on Daily Record, The Irish Mirror, The Mirror, and of course, on Wales Online. Wales Online.